Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. In this Soulful Sound conversation, I speak with the fabulous Lucinda Allen, who is a skilled practitioner in both the spoken and singing voice, supported by her distinction at master's level in the practice of voice and singing from one of the UK's most reputable acting schools, Guildford School of Acting. Lucinda has worked with many accomplished and reputable individuals and organizations, and these have ranged from West End shows, recording artists, university programs, and corporate organizations. Lucinda's main aim throughout her career has been to collaborate with other practitioners, building pioneering and exciting connections within the creative arts industry. Her work alongside PhysioEd Medical has allowed Lucinda to make innovative steps in bridging the gap between treatment and coaching. She is a strong believer that every person has the right to free and dynamic voice and is keen to facilitate this through her in-depth knowledge and talent in coaching and research. In this episode, Lucinda shares her take on healing and rehabilitation in the voice world and how she works holistically with clients. She speaks about honoring the authentic and primal sounds we make as a starting point for technique, expression, and adding creative elements to one's voice. Also, listen out for our heartfelt, spontaneous sounding near the end of this fun episode. Wow, I'm so excited. So pleased to welcome you. Thank you for taking time out of your day. I've got the wonderful Lucinda Allen here with me today. She is a proficient and successful voice and singing coach who works in both the creative and corporate sectors. And Lucinda also leads the vocal team at the Institute of Contemporary Music Performance here in London in her post as teaching fellow in vocals. Yay! Yay! Another singer in the room. (laughs) Welcome. Thanks so much for joining me today. No problem. I'm so excited. And so I know you also work holistically with your clients. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about your work and how you serve others. So, um, yeah, I'm a vocal coach that works with um, uh, voice and singing. So that's spoken voice uh, for actors, um, pastors, public speakers, puppeteers, anyone that uses the spoken voice. Fabulous. Um, And then singers, West End pop um, rappers, anyone. Um, um, and that's through my, um, my, my company called voice unlocked. Um, and that's something that I've been doing for about 10 years now. Um, so it feels very much part of my life, really. It's something that kind of grew quite organically, um, Mm. and wasn't kind of contrived in any way. It sort of just happened, but with, kind of in line with my core sort of beliefs of, of voice and um, performance. So yeah, um, I serve serve others um, quite organically and it feels quite natural to me. It's something that really meets my needs as well. I love that. Um, and yeah. you, you said that are aligned with your core beliefs around that. What are, what are some of those? What are your core beliefs around voice and things like that? Uh, well, I kind of, I started singing in choirs. Um, I was actually part of the Oxford Girls Choir. Oh, cool. Um, when I was, when I was younger and part of sort of musical theatre, amateur sort of, um, 
opportunities. And I always just saw singing as like a group thing, like a, a thing that you did together. And mm. um, yeah, I, it's always seemed much more organic and natural for me to do something with others with singing. So yeah, okay, beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a person that likes to kind of help others. I've always that person that was like rushing around trying to help like, others. Yeah. yeah, I think the sense of community is so important and understanding how energy of sound works is quite interesting as well, mm. because we can create some beautiful sounds, that's for sure, and really connect with our sounds. Um, but the way it is multiplied when you come together as a group is phenomenal. And yeah. I know you are, I know what I know about you is that you are very much um, an advocate for community mm-hmm. and building and supporting those around you, including, you know, the vocal teachers that you work with mm-hmm. and the students that you work with. So I think this is, this is a great, this is wonderful. Yeah. And there's a piece of your work that's really fascinating to me as well. It's not not something that I specialize in while I've done my my take on it is the rehab side. So voice mm-hmm. rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. What what specifically have you come across in that field? What type of things that people come to you with? Um so I think that kind of came about from um being at university and and actually even before that I remember doing quite a um hilarious James Bond show at some point and one of the um one of the guys was singing from Russia with love and I remember he (laughs) said Lucy like how do you sing that high note how do you do that and I remember being like oh I really want to help you I really want to tell you how to do that but I was like I'm not really sure how and that kind of spun this like oh I want to know how the voice works and then went to music college um in Leeds the jazz college and had a couple of friends there who had voice problems and um you know, it was really sad. I remember sort of hearing them at night through the paper thin walls, like mm. crying from the distress of it and thinking, gosh, I really want to know how to help these people, but very much from a creative angle. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm not, um, I'm not a doctor, like I'm of not a speech course. and language therapist, but I am an empath and I do, I do like to try and, I don't know, kind of bridge that gap, I guess, between where one practice maybe finishes and another one can start and Mm. I think it's just acknowledging like what you're not like I'm not you know that's not necessarily my background but the background I do have is I think I'm you know I'm passionate about teaching and communication and trying to guide people through that rocky patch where they're kind of thinking okay I've had these skills I know what I'm doing now but what about this sort of middle ground where Mm. I suddenly have to go from um being I don't know, quite still in a chair and really focusing on closing my vocal cords and suddenly I'm back into a West End show. You know, where's that little bridge between those two? And that's what I really enjoy doing is communicating with other practitioners and starting to understand a piece of their job Mm. and respecting their role, um, knowing where my part stops and theirs begins again and kind of helping people as much as possible to... reinstill that confidence they have in their voice yeah um but like I said from a creative perspective which you know a lot of the people I respect most in the world are creatives and I think Mm. it's kind of giving that equal weight to um you know creative practice as much as scientific you know they've both got their part for sure and And we need the balance don't we yeah exactly so it's just being a part of that journey for yeah people actually yeah yeah so the creative side and what what's interesting for me so while I know that you're not an ENT specialist um do you work with singers who might be recovering from 
uh, vocal operations like removal of cysts or nodules or mm -hmm. things like that. Talk a little bit about that. How do you kind of help them come back to full health? Um, so I guess it's it's first of all making sure that they've gone through the right steps first so that they've seen their ENT, they've gone through whatever's been recommended for them, um, they've got the all clear mm. um, and then it's um, working on a plan to um, gently get them back to either where they were or where they want to be. Yeah. Um, being having an empathy for what they've been through. And, and a lot of that actually came from the masters that I did in the practice of voice and singing, which a lot of the work uh, came from the spoken voice work, working with breath, um, mm. working with the body and looking at the voice holistically, which instantly sort of urged me further to start to understand all the elements of the voice. Um, yeah. And yeah, just guide someone back through the way that they know. And a lot of performers the thing they know most is creativity and expression mm. and I think if you can dovetail the speech and language therapy and the other therapies they might have had with creativity it kind of instills that little bit of confidence in that thing that they know yeah um and the, the thing they have a confidence in which is their creative craft so mm. kind of using that um through technique so joining technique and creative performance and yeah. primitive sounds actually together to nice. create. I love that. I mean, I work a lot with the mental piece of, of that singing recovery mm. um, because I know very often how, you know, there, there is a big uh, scare out there about nodules and scare about a lot of vocal issues that not to say that they're not serious issues, but mm. I think a lot of the fear that we incorporate in that journey just really slows down our, you know, rehabilitation and our mm. progress and also just makes everything a lot more, um, I guess, tense, which is what we're wanting to come away from the tension and all of that kind of stuff. So very often it's allowing people the same way an ENT specialist might say, okay, you have to be really gentle with your voice. Mm -hmm. I often say you need to be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. And by that, re referring to how, what you say to yourself, you mm -hmm. know, giving yourself the time and the space to heal. I think those things are so important. So this is why when I, when I, you know, looked at your work and saw that you were doing this holistic approach and looking at the rehabilitation, I just thought how precious, because we need a lot more people out there doing that um, and helping people to realize that they can take responsibility for things that they're doing with their voice and they can come back from things no matter, you know, not no matter what, I, would, I wouldn't go as far as saying that, but certainly that they can, you know, improve to some level mm -hmm. as long as they have the know-how and the tools and the support. Exactly. And I think the support is key. I mean, I really noticed that um, actually must have been about six years ago, I started working at Physio Ed and I love the fact that they had, you know, that sort of um, that system where they could obviously with with um, clinical environments, you have that way of tracking people's data and everybody who's involved in the in the process has a little eye in. So I'm able to kind of see what's happened with the physio and then mm. build and work with that, not counter it or That's do awesome. anything that might, you know, uh, go against what they're doing with their ther uh, physiotherapist. Um, but it really highlighted to me the sort of panic or the anxiety patch that people get into when they're being passed around from person to person mm. and practitioners aren't necessarily speaking to each other I mean thank goodness we have um, excellent resource at BAPAM now but yeah um ten, five, ten years ago I was really aware of that that actually that person is doing this thing and that person's doing that thing and we just need to make sure that we're speaking to each other and quite yes. regularly I'm speaking so it's to more someone's. integrated yeah, yeah speaking to the ENT or speaking to the speech and language or the physio and mm. 
just keeping everybody in the loop so that the anxiety of the person being treated stays, you know, as low as possible um, throughout that process, which is quite traumatic when people are trying to get back to themselves with their voice. Yeah, yeah. And while thinking about the work and you do, obviously there is a lot, there is a healing practice really. Mm. Um, and And I obviously all very familiar with that being a very big part of my heart, um, being able to help people really connect with their voice and heal mm. the traumas, whether it's physical or, or emotional, and really just come back to self. Um, what What is your definition of healing? What's that to you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite passionate about that because um, I guess it's kind of encompassed in my, the name of, of what I do, Voice Unlocked, which kind of came about from uh, the work I did at my master's sort of thinking right I'm finishing this study um, I'm going out to the world I'm starting to work with people and how am I gonna encompass what I do and I really loved that word because unlock to me suggests that we already have something within us that needs to be released or shown mm. and I think sometimes with technique people can feel like they're gaining some special gift that they're sticking on that they didn't have before. Right. And I think that in itself can be quite anxious for people to think I might not get it. But actually when you say to someone you've already got it, it's just covered up with other stuff. Nice. Um, It kind of puts people into a place of, of calm and empowerment. empowerment. Yeah. But I think that kind of ties in with the idea of healing that you're getting back to something that was already there. Mm hmm rather than you're on this journey of trying to, I don't know, trying to achieve or find something that never was. Um, yeah. And that goes back to beautiful primal sound with voice, you know, that mm. if people say, oh, I'm not, I can't sing that high, and it's like, what was the first sound you made? It was yes. really probably quite high-pitched wail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think once people are comforted by the fact that they, they did make it, it's there, we just need to unlock it. Um mm. So I think, yeah, with healing, it's kind of finding what's there. Mm. Um, and and actually, I love that saying. Um, a couple of years ago, I came across it, actually was reminded of it, which is the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. <laughs> and I think people think with healing, it's kind of, yeah, it's something that, I don't know, sometimes it can suddenly happen out of nowhere. And it's actually, these things don't, happen out of nowhere like we have to constantly be on a journey to remove or just be aware of how many pieces of straw are building up and it Mm. wasn't the final straw that caused the voice problem or caused the anxiety it's the building of the straws which is actually life um yeah so it's kind of just keeping an eye on it and bringing it back to neutral as often as possible yeah yeah, so I think, I think that is, I love that. I think it's beautiful. And I wanted to ask you actually how you came up with the name Voice Unlocked. Oh, yeah. and so this is, this is pretty cool that you've, you've kind of gone there with it. And I, I, for me, healing is pretty much what you've said. I think it really is just coming back to that state of bliss and that state of harmony that exists in each of, in every one of us. And mm-hmm. that is our natural state. Mm-hmm. And through life experiences and all the things that we go through, sometimes we just come out of that harmony. You know, there's this harmony around, there's some dissonance, life throws its curveballs. Mm-hmm. And then it's all about just not, not trying to, as you say, achieve anything, but just allow ourselves to get back to us. And yeah. that's, that's a lot of the work I do, as you know, it's all about connecting with self and, and really expressing our gifts that way. And I just love that you, you know, have incorporated that so deeply in your work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we just we, again I'm just excited because there's a lot more of that needed so it's yes. really exciting when I need a kindred spirit that is for yes. sure and so I know you mentioned about the sound work and then the you know working with voice so speech and voice and the a number of people that you work with and then obviously I know about the vocal coaching singing technique and things like that so something that I'm really curious about because I don't work in the acting world per se um, that you might be helping someone develop their voice or create a particular sound or project their voice in a particular way for stage that needs to be within a particular character. Mm. And so what is your, what are your thoughts around uh, the authentic sound or authentic voice? And then one that you might be creating for a role or a character or something else, another context. Yeah. I think that kind of relates to this, that idea of finding neutral again of, you know, where, where does your, what is your home for your voice? Where Mm. is home? Whatever that might be in terms of tone or pitch or, um resonance um I, I guess that might be more authentic although that's a movable feast I think depending on um your season you're in or p- time of your in your lifetime or emotional state but when you're moving into character hmm. I think there has to be an element of that underlying um authenticity and by authenticity, I think with voice, I mean more of a spontaneous primal sound. Um, yeah. If we build on a, on a primal foundation, um, and by that I mean responsive. So if you've not come across, um, yeah, if anyone listening hasn't come across primal sound, it's essentially the, the way the body might respond. Um, so if I was to pinch you, you would perhaps go, oh! Yeah. Um, so if we can build the voice on primal sound then it's at its most more likely to be most safe mm-hmm. um, and therefore sustainable because it's um and repeatable right um so i think when people are looking at character um i might look how they're organically making that sound first so i, I never like to interfere with someone's creativity with a character so i worked with a, a wonderful lady um a few years ago who had to be um uh oh um, I forgot the character's name, Punch. There we go. Yeah. Um, Punch. And um, she had to create the sound um, over and over and over again, which is quite fatiguing because it's mm. very high pitched, very bright. And her voice was um, naturally in inverted commas or um, authentically perhaps um, very, very low, very, mm. very resonant. Um, but in terms of character, she was there. She was in that character. She was with that character. But her voice was kind of not sitting in the same way because it's not where authentically it might sit. Mm. Um, so, you know, we let her make that sound. I wanted to hear how she was making it rather than trying to craft it. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, and then um, we we made some primal sounds, um, kind of like squawking, actually, mm. kind of squawking <laughs> sounds that you might make in response to something. Um, and then we rebuilt the voice using those primal sounds um and it was always on always always on a dialogue how does that feel how does that feel yeah and not only how does it feel physically but how does it feel in terms with the character because you also don't want to interfere with the character by changing someone's character sound yeah of course um, and that was really not going to make the director very happy <laughs> so um, no I think this is what she should sound like instead yes, actually <laughs> um so it's things like that it's kind of like a back and forth dialogue mm. I think to finally find something that fits yes um for the character for the person in terms of their well-being mm. um 
and in terms of like the context of the show so it's yeah like a bit of a balancing act but it's quite exciting because sometimes you can even suggest a sound and someone will go oh my goodness that actually sounds more real now and it's like so cool well actually it is more real because that's a primal sound for you that's a responsive sound um rather than you trying to craft it um so yeah sometimes we can actually that's my little edge of creativity that I'm having as well on on a character which is great and a massive buzz for me as well I absolutely Um, love that you know it's it's great because what, I mean, I have to say, I did think that maybe, I mean, I, maybe it's the approach of some people that maybe it was more about uh, crafting something. Um, mm-hmm. And and so the fact that you're saying, no, it's, it's not about that, it's guiding through that authentic, uh, you know, foundation. I think that's really important. I think that's great because it really does inform um, a process that, as you said, leads to repetition, healthy repetition. It's more responsive. It's someone that someone can connect to a little easier mm-hmm. because it's it's just a natural form of expression. Um and you know, there as as we know from working with in, in the voice and the sound world for, for so many, you know, many many years between us, I'm sure, um, that almost any sound we can create healthily. Mm-hmm. You know, from even from a singing perspective, distortion which can sound which can be done very unhealthily can also be done healthily. Growling mm-hmm. and all these other vocal effects that, that we use in, in contemporary music can be done very safely and effectively. And I think that you know, basing a lot of your work around the primal sounds really is about embodying what's natural to us. I think that's mm. really precious. It's special because it's it's definitely something I relate to anyway. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And that really came out of the spoken um, work that I did um, at Guildford School of Acting, actually, um, on a course I feel so, so grateful for because unfortunately it doesn't run anymore, but it was run by um, an amazing lady called Chris Palmer, mm. who's like my absolute voice guru. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and uh, she was very much about sound and it not being the voice beautiful, but just mm. being a sound. Um, yeah. And that's when you get that most authentic uh, sound that you can play with and, and then craft. Yes. But work it in its purest form first and then... And then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I find with my experience in running sound baths, what I tend to do at the end of a sound bath is invite people to sound with me mm. so that they can integrate their own healing experience and you know take responsibility for their own shifts, you know. Mm. Um, and it's such a vulnerable moment for so many people, mm. especially obviously after going, you know, waking up from a beautiful healing experience anyway. It's just to sound something. I've had a few singers attend that said, I sing all the time, but just to sound instead of sing which is very different as you've just said yeah it's such a vulnerable thing sometimes um and i think the beauty in that is that because sound is energy and we are energy and the whole world is energy and vibrational um that even just sounding in your mind is powerful because mm. it's still creating our mind doesn't know the difference between um what's real and what isn't you know, it's it's and that certainly our unconscious mind doesn't. And so it just takes information in. So if you sound in your mind, it's still creating an energetic response. It's mm. still creating a, a frequency, which I think is beautiful. So it could be an interesting thing to do with someone when you're working and they're like, look, I just can't sing that note. And say, okay, well, just imagine that you could. What would it sound like? Just think about it in your mind and sound it in your mind. You don't have to sound it out loud first. Mm. What would that feel or what would that sound like in your head? And they go in to find it. 
And when they go in to find it, then it's much easier sometimes to then express it outwardly. So I, I, I'm really excited about the work and the projects that you're working on and how I suppose linked a lot of the stuff that we're doing, even yes. though our channels are very different. So yes. it's, it's very, very cool. Yeah. Love that. Yes. <laughs> so we are, we've been working in the music industry in the world of sound. Um, but even outside of work, I want to know a little bit about any obstacles that have come up for you so far on your path and maybe one or two ways that you have overcome them anything you'd like to share yeah um I guess um even from that start of my journey kind of feeling feeling sad for kind of um singer friends that have had sort of vocal problems I knew quite instantly I had this really strong empathic energy within me which um I've really recently discovered is a blessing and also a little bit of a I don't want to say curse that's a that's a mean word but kind of a little bit of a weight um that has to be redistributed mm. um so I think one of the problems I came up against was like just wanting to serve everybody all the time yeah <laughs> and, and realizing that you know I think quite a lot of us know that saying but just filling the cup back up mm-hmm. um and actually I'm no good to anyone if the cup's too empty. Yeah. So um, I think it was just rediscovering what, um, first of all, what fills my cup back up. Yeah. Um, and I loved being asked um, when I was having a bit of trouble at a time, I, I went and saw some uh, a therapist and a wonderful man. And he really asked me, he was like, what are your needs? Hmm. I was like, my needs. <laughs> I have needs. What? <laughs> and then I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Um, so yeah, then really just thinking like very explicitly, like what are my needs and what fills fills my cup back up? And the problem I came up against is that filling, I fill my cup back up by helping others. So then you become a little stuck it's in the, the cycle. Yeah. Catch 22. Mm. Um, I was in LA this year and I saw a spiritual healer. Mm. And what I found really great was actually talking to her about you know using astrology and using spirituality and um looking at actually myself as a Pisces which I found really interesting and about how you know water is really important to me and and she was like you know do you like like water and I was like oh no not a good swimmer at all (laughs) she was like but you like the spa right and I was like I love the spa and she was like that's because all the water's there and you can wash everything away right and I was like wow that's really interesting and I've actually realized it's super important and I'm doing people are just de uh dis uh, disservice. disservice sure yeah if I don't kind of cleanse um the day so that I can re-offer you know what I want to offer people so I think that was something that kind of came up against um because I'm sure you know as well like a, a session on voice you know it's coming from somewhere extremely deep and vulnerable and mm. some of the sessions you know we're not we're not making sound we're actually you know, talking about something else or, you know, you'll use a, a trigger through, you know, a really beautiful story within a song and it brings up things mm, and definitely you end up being a little bit of a sounding board, which I love, but it has to be, yeah, rebalanced and recalibrated so that I can kind of start afresh with the next person or the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's just about balance, finding balance which I'm starting to discover much more now. So what do you do to balance, to, to fill that cup back up? Um, I think, yeah, just just spending time, you know, outside of the music industry, doing something um, 
yeah I guess just for myself like I love going for a massage mm. or something and just being like this is my time now That's um awesome. uh little things like that and spending time with family um and yeah I just I love doing like little pottering around little bits of tidying up and things mm. that are completely or seem completely disconnected um but actually I think they're really not you know like yeah. kind of organizing and tidying your mind so you feel like you can um offer the best of yourself the next mm. day um yeah and just also like I love learning like so much like and I love spending time with people and quite often it always comes back to voice mm. which is fine yes but you know just like learning about other people and hearing about other people's journeys and I love going Feeding to your places mind. Yeah. yeah and like self-growth and just exploring this weird and wonderful world in lots of different ways and yeah really I actually really believe that there's there are so many connections within the universe of like what's going on and I think it's just keeping the mind wide to try and absorb in the short time yeah. that we have <laughs> yeah yeah as much as possible that expansion yeah you know one of the things that I my mum always told me growing up uh, because a lot of people talk about as, as you said if you have an empty cup you have nothing to give mm. you know you have to fill that cup up and I find this is a quite an interesting nuance what she always told me was you want to have an overflowing cup mm. so that you are giving from your overflow and your cup remains full. Yes. Isn't that interesting? Yes. I should have more massages then. <laughs> yeah. More massages, more more all of that. Because I just yeah. think it, it it completely makes sense. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. Hey, we all go through moments of having to rebalance, uh, including me, of course. Um, <laughs> but I do like the fact that when I think like that, what it allows me to do is it, I start to feel the, okay, I'm going, but I'm not, I'm not empty, but I'm going down. So let's get it back up to overflow yes. as opposed to waiting until it gets too empty and then going, right, I'm burnt out now I need to stop and we know this happens the body responds mm -hmm. if we're not listening if we're not tuning in the body goes hang on you're not listening let me let me let me remind you that yeah. something needs to be shifted here um and then we get ill or whatever other things happen um and so I love that you are thinking about expansion and self-growth as much as you are thinking about pampering and downtime yeah um and I do have to say I am one of those tidy up get things in order kind of people as well um when it comes to just feeling like I'm feeding myself in a way my husband says you know when you're cleaning the house you look like you're meditating yes and I was exactly. like well I never thought of it like that but I completely understand why because I am in a trance I'm just getting on with stuff but my mind is just mm. I'm just swirling around with all this sometimes my my greatest ideas come when I'm cleaning or doing chores yes I think it's really interesting actually um that's not to say that I'll be cleaning my house all the time but <laughs> uh, why not when I when I can that's that's <laughs> awesome and you work a lot with creatives as well. I mean, we, we do this in the work that we do. If there's one piece of advice that you could give an aspiring creative, whether that's a singer or anyone out there doing creative work, what would it be? Um, gosh, there's so, there's so many things. And some which I'm like constantly refining as well, going, yeah, I think this, but also just a little bit of this too. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it would be about openness and um yeah you just you don't know what you don't know mm. um and I and I personally I've recognized that just by this kind of carousel of clients that I am so grateful that I get to see every week it's like the people that are <laughs> I'm gonna say it living their best lives um <laughs> are the ones that are just super open and 
and kind of yeah are, are exploring like we said earlier about energy everything's energy everything is vibration and you can only you know you can only absorb what you allow so yeah that's one thing I really have taken away that's kind of drip fed I guess through my life so far is like this allowing thing mm. so allow things to happen um and yeah just kind of allow that kind of two-way street to happen between the world and what you've got within you and mm. um so dance, don't stop growing it? yeah don't yeah. stop growing the people I really kind of admire the most in the entire world are people that would turn around and I'd ask a question they go I don't know yeah <laughs> but let's find out I'd be like okay great <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah just don't stop growing and, and allow things to happen um well, I think it's it's interesting because one of the things that I noticed just from the responses from some of the questions before about the way you came into the work that you do and everything like that, um, the word curious comes to mind because I think there is a, you definitely are a curious being and that comes along with, oh, I don't know, let's find out. Mm. Um, or, ooh, that's something interesting. Let me know more. Let, let me learn more about that. It mm. does take some curiosity, which I think is really important for creatives mm-hmm. in, and, and generally, of course, but definitely in terms of that expansion. And as you say, allowing what you know to come out, but also to be open to, hey, I don't know. And not just I don't know and full stop, but let's find out. And that curiosity, you know, takes you the step further, which I think is important. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And also just joining forces. Like I'm so big on collaboration and, you know, we're in an industry that's pretty competitive, I think, for for singers and performers. But also, you know, the people that are practitioners, like there's this little bit of energy running through the industry and it's like, actually, oh my God, my gosh like if you do your thing and I do my thing like together sometimes like we can get this whole new thing yeah um because I know half and you know half and what what would happen then just something way more interesting and exciting that's innovation Hmm. um so yeah I think kind of just joining forces to try and be curious together and and um and we all have different journeys. So if you can kind of fuse them in some way, I think we just get something way more exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really passionate about that. And I, I even as a kid, like I, ha- I have very vivid memories of my dad, like standing up in the garage and me standing below going, what's that? What's that do? And I remember him going, just take her away, Colleen, take her away. <laughs> but thank goodness, because, you know, yeah. I want to know because I want to, I guess I want to help. So yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of beginner's mind, they talk about a lot of <laughs> beginner's mind in mindfulness. Um, and it is that that innate curiosity, especially as children, you yes. know, that we have, even from as young as toddlers, where we pick something up and put it in our mouth to, to, to experience yeah. it. I need to know what this is. Um, and yeah, like, our, you know, what's that? What are you doing? I remember years ago watching this, um, I can't remember which, which cartoon it was, a long time ago, I'm talking uh, uh, many years ago when my daughter, who's now 22, and she was about seven and um this character comes in and presses uh dexter's laboratory that's Uh, what it was so his sister is one of those really curious and annoying to him characters so she comes in and she goes what does this button do and this one blows something up and there are buttons all over and she just keeps coming around his space saying what does this button do what does this button do and it's what the reason i bring it up is because this this has ignited something in my daughter it's like, oh, what does this do? What does this do? So this that you're talking about right now, um, I, I actually can almost pinpoint that 
time when her curiosity budded in, in a way that was like, what's this? How do you do that? And now, you know, she's like, oh, aerial silks, let me take a class. Oh, do this. Let me take a class. And, you know, she's just experiencing things. And I, I just love that because we know that it's only through the experience and the openness and the practice of anything that we grow and learn and get better. Um, not just through the thinking about it or the wishing we did things, you know, it's definitely getting up and doing it. So mm, I loved that about um, going to drama school as well. Like kind of, I remember sort of working pretty hard, trying to be all like academic because that's what school told you to be. Mm. And then I remember at drama school being like, stop thinking about it, just do. And it's like, don't think, do. Yeah. And then you just do something amazing can happen and it might be wrong in inverted commas but then at least you can you can craft it and you've got motion and and movement and some something might happen that you didn't expect yeah Um, and and if anything as you say feedback yeah because when things don't work it just means okay so that's not working what do I need to do to make it work yeah you know but again the curiosity needs to be there but I love that just don't think just do and we think so much sometimes and just get tied up in knots in our thoughts recognizing that we are not our thoughts Mm -hmm. you know we aren't our thoughts our thoughts pass through us but we can hold on to them if we want And, you know, I work a lot with clients with that internal dialogue and thought Mm. process where, you know, very much getting up on stage to perform, doing the workshops around this in my book many years ago was like, what do you say to yourself before you get up on stage? Because those things matter if you're listening. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we do have thoughts passing through and some people are like, you know what, I don't even know what I think. I just get up and do it. But for those who do think about it, getting up on stage, are the thoughts that you're saying to you, that the words that you're saying to yourself, are they serving you? Mm Mm-hmm. Or yeah. they, you know, are they doing a disservice? And then you go up on stage and you're freaking out because you just said, oh, I'm going to forget my words. You know, if you say it, you probably will. Probably will, yeah. Yeah. There's this book called, um, and if anyone wants to read any book, like anytime soon, like I cannot recommend anything more than this. Um, don't stop, uh, stop thinking, start living. Mm. Stop thinking, start living. And it's all about that that thought process of if you think it, you know, it will happen and actually physicalize. So, yeah. you know, working with um, with a few uh, practitioners at the moment, um, an amazing man uh, called Robin DeHouse um, and Lynn Martin, and, and they both um, uh, work in a uh, methodology called breathing coordination, which I'm so inspired by. And they really talk about um, ideokinesis of how, the idea an idea can affect movement wow beautiful and it's so powerful and it's you know uh, stop thinking start living talks about the thought process and how that can affect the mind but ideokinesis also talks about you know how it can affect the body and that's like so prevalent and so uh, within singers so I just love how like you know you can end up reading a book thinking oh that might help my mindset or something and actually it ends up helping me as a singer and then clients as singers and actors Mm. and um everything is so connected I'm realizing that you know as I'm getting older it's like everything is connected like there is a connection Mm -hmm. and I think if you can acknowledge that then you can allow it to happen going back to that allowing thing again yeah um so yeah like there is I mean I wrote dissertations about it years ago you know like the body and the mind being connected and you know they are inherently affect one another they're mutually reinforcing absolutely um affecting each other and it's like it's 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 a thing we just can't ignore it anymore like it's just a thing and um I think the more you kind of go with it uh that idea like the more you can get out of whatever you're trying to achieve just acknowledging things like that and reading around the subject 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the work that I do, I mean, you, we both work holistically and in the sound healing side of things, very much, it is very much all linked to bo- mm. um, body, mind and spirit, if you like. And one of the things, I mean, I've had an experience with a client once who um, had physical pain um, and in realizing that it was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't due to a physical trauma per se. She didn't mm. quite know what was going on. We looked at an emotional trauma, something mm. that was that she was holding on to for a really long time and worked through that in the healing session. And a lot of shifts happened, a lot of release, a lot of tears, a lot of mm. laughter. It was a really beautiful experience. And then sh- the pain disappeared mm. in her body. And it's it, it no longer surprises me because I see it all the time, um, the amount of things that people might come with something emotional mm-hmm. um, and then they they feel they feel different or they come with something physical and they feel different because they're all in, they're all connected as you said and there's so much scientific research out there now to to show that interconnection it's no it's no longer this woo woo thing that some people think it's it's out there you know Absolutely. We, we talk about the mind in in sports psychology for example i'm not a, a massive expert in this field but in the research that i've done when i wrote my book years ago talking about the mind and again saying that the mind doesn't necessarily know the difference between your imagination and reality is that um, they put all the electrodes on an athlete and told him to just about start to sprint. You know, they said, just put yourself in the position, get yourself in the technical um, position you need to be, and then just start the sprint. Mm. And they measured that that electric, you know, electric magnetic energy in his body. And there were certain muscles that were triggered, not were they just triggered, but they were triggered in a very specific sequence. Mm. And then they said, okay, now we've done that. We've measured it. We've got all of the data. Now I want you to stand still and imagine doing the exact same thing in your mind. Put yourself in that place where you're about to, you know, do a sprint and just shoot off in your mind. And lo and behold, the same muscles, the same sequence, exactly as he did physically happened um, and was measured the same way. Mm-hmm. So this stuff has been out there for so long. And this is why I know what in, it really inspired me years ago to write my book was because I felt that there was so much stuff in the sports arena mm-hmm. that in the arts arena we weren't getting, but it's still performance. Yes. You and know? I think it's kind of having that uh, that, empath- that empath- empathy as well with performance as well, knowing what creators and performers respond to. So, you know, yeah. if you say to um a singer to i don't know tilt their thyroid cartilage like they're gonna think what what <laughs> yeah. they totally killed the emotional connection to whatever <laughs> they're doing sure but if you if you get them to think about a scenario where you know something made them really tearful or they you know made them feel like they're on the brink of tears and then sing the line mm-hmm. or you know if someone's perhaps breathing in the wrong way maybe you want them to breathe a little lower and it's like okay breathe like you've just smelt a nice loaf of bread come out the oven like anything that expansion just goes straight where it needs to yes exactly and it's like that visualization of you know different air pockets on the body or like just being that's what I love about it when people say you know don't you want to do more singing like because coaching you're trying to help other people's creativity but yeah oh my goodness I'm so creative I'm coming out with all sorts of peculiar stories mm. and language to try and help someone if someone feels like they need to say the words metallic and that helps them find a sound it's like cool like think of a story that goes with that that helps you find that feel or that sound or that like resonance and mm. being creative with delivering an emotion and a text but also hand in hand the techno the uh, technical side of the yeah. voice also responds so that's 
I guess what I mean about sort of bridging that gap between the science and, and medicine and not overflowing in that too much, but having enough of a knowledge to kind of say, cool, that's what that needs to do. I'm going to use the language of the performer mm -hmm. to get them there because that's my job rather than the singer wanting to be a scientist or to be sure. a speech language therapist. They don't. They want to sing. Yeah, and I love that. And I have to say that I get pretty turned on when I explain something to someone and they don't get it. Because mm. I think, ooh, I have to find Damn another it. way in. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, we have the vocabulary and our tools over the years that, okay, well, okay, let's get them to, you know, cry like a baby or laugh like a witch. Let's get them to get that nasality going yeah. and things like that. Let's bring that twang in. And someone doesn't get it for whatever reason. And I'm just like, okay, I have to find another other way in yay Love it's it. such a cool thing and then when yeah. it finally goes you're like there it oh, is yes. <laughs> right and it sticks it sticks them because it means something to them yeah, definitely um you're using their language mm -hmm. i'm really passionate about that you know using their language and we're there to go to all the conferences and learn the different methodologies and you know read all the books but it's not our job to give them all of those methodologies. It's our job to work out what they need mm -hmm. um, and build something bespoke for their needs and, and even their needs right now because that might be different in a different role, a different sure, time a different life. context. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So that is very much being very present and really just honoring the the being in front of you, which I think mm. is is really special. Mm. Um, and I think that you know, goes hand in hand with anything technical or anything else because, you know, you're teaching someone something that they need for their expansion, mm. you know. So this is so wonderful. Yeah. So you see, I knew, I know we're both in singing and music. Now I knew since the age I was seven that I wanted to be a singer and that my world would revolve around sound. I didn't really deviate far from that. I don't, I don't recall saying I wanted to be anything else. I always knew that I was going to be a singer from seven and I pursued it ever since. Um, and I always think this question to myself, so I think it would be a really interesting um, thing to ask you. If you had to attempt another career other than the one that you have right now, what would you want to do? Um, I think it would probably be, be something involved um, in some sort of therapy. Um, I think, you know, vocals, singing, the voice is just one outlet. Mm. Um that people have to express themselves, to free themselves up and get themselves back to, you know, that that buzzy, happy place that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, and whether some people deny it, and, you know, that's like, oh, it's just a job, like I've been doing it for years. It's like, no, there's something in, the, in you that's making you turn up to that gig every night. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and, um, you know, or do eight shows a week. Something within you that's wanting you to do that. And I think another I just enjoy freeing or getting people into that happy place so something like therapy would be exciting for me and I think like you you were saying about you know finding a way in to get someone to have a way out like mm. I I really like the idea so I think something like therapy, therapy yeah and there's nothing like coaching or teaching that nothing more than coaching and teaching that gets you to question yourself and mm -hmm. question what you know um yeah. I think that's one of the key elements of teaching is it to work out if you actually know something is to try and mm. teach it and yeah. constantly challenge yourself. So, um, yeah, I think something like, like therapy or like some sort of counseling or. Yeah. And, you know, 
a lot of the work that I've done in the past around helping people to not just explore, exp- you know, discover their gifts or things like this, but I used to work a lot in the corporate with corporate people who wanted to mm. leave the corporate world and start their own business. Mm. And you talk a lot about bridging a gap. And my specialty, um, you know, was and is, even though I don't um, play as much in that ar- arena anymore, was in the transition. Mm. It was in the gap between one foot straddling the corporate world and then the other foot straddling the entrepreneur mm. world. And helping them maneuver that successfully in many different ways, um, their mindset, the way they move ahead, the goals that they set, being proactive, processes, mm-hmm. a lot of different things. So what is really interesting for me is when I work with people who are trying to really explore what's next, you know, what should I do next? Often we go back to the fundamental values that people hold, because that really does inform a lot um, Mm -hmm. about what's important to us. Mm -hmm. I often say that the values are the um, significant truths that make you, you. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you've just said kind of highlights that for me because you you're an empath, but you also just you have this really big sense of service. I mean, service is a very big uh, value of mine as well. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that I have to serve, and mm-hmm. I know that through serving, a lot is uncovered and discovered. But being of service is a big thing. But also, it sounds like a really um, important value for you as well is helping others to grow. It feels like it's about exploring new things and exploring the inner workings of things, which I know Mm -hmm. comes through your curiosity. So in saying all of that, it doesn't really surprise me that you would say something like therapy, because Mm -hmm. while it's it's not so far fetched from singing and so on and so forth, because as we know, as you mentioned, as a voice coach, very often it sometimes turns into a bit of a therapy session, right? But even even so, the fact is what you're doing is you're, you're still fulfilling that innate need to be of service, to go deeper within the psyche of someone and help Mm. them uncover and discover something interesting about themselves. So when you figure out what that thread is, that common thread that really matters underneath, Mm. it's the why really rather than the what. And then whatever you do on top is, is what's really interesting. So for me, being of service was really important. And being able to express my gifts was really important and also being, you know, helping others and all of that kind of stuff. But using my voice was my common thread. And so what I realized in my life's journey of work is that even though I started singing and doing the contemporary music side and performing and backing vocals and touring and all of that, I don't do that as much as I used to. Um, that when I started, uh, whether I wrote my book that was using my voice in a different way, um, going into the coaching, the transformational coaching world was using my voice in a different way different way. Mm. And so the thing was still underlying was still voice. It was still sound. And now coming around to sound healing and shamanic practices, it's still about using my mm. my voice. And interestingly, this is something that I knew from seven that I would be a big part of my life, but not how. Mm, yes. And so it's such a cool answer because that just thought took me right back to, yeah, the common thread of mm-hmm. what really deep, deeply matters to you will be manifested in therapy from a therapist, a coach, a teacher, regardless of whether it was voice or not, because again, you're helping people to mm. discover something inside of them, which we know voice does. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's that feeling, isn't it? When someone walks in and like I had someone this week, who's going through a really tough time. He sort of said, I just wanted to do, book something for myself this week that I just know makes me happy and I was like pressure Um, (laughs) but he he left like walking on clouds and I mean what other feet like 
what better feeling than yeah. that and actually learning as well that it's okay for them to walk out like looking a little confused I remember when I first started coaching thinking mm. they have to leave with a smile otherwise I've not done a good job and that's not true actually not at all because yeah. when they come back in a couple of weeks and they go I didn't understand at the time but I thought about it for a bit and now I do and yeah. you're like cool I'm really glad I didn't try and prod that thing that was coming and actually it just happened in your own time so I think yeah, yeah it's growing con- conf- a bit. Confusion, I mean, maybe not these two words exactly, but let's for the sake of your what you've just said, confusion and clarity are two sides of the same coin. Exactly. So it's okay, depending on which side they need to be. And in order to have clarity, you need to be confused first. And in order to be confused, you need to have been clear cl- clear about something first. It's just yes. one has to happen for the other to exist. It's So, you know, this is it. I, I actually, like, you know, I'm glad that you've come around to it. But I love that confused. Mm. I love that. Oh, hang on. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I get this because that is their, I'm working it out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure it out right now. And mm. I love that process too. Yeah. And experiencing, you know, working with different kinds of teachers and kind of drawing upon different sort of skill sets. I remember thinking when I started learning about teaching and studying teaching you know kind of very much looking at oh well I definitely don't want to be that kind of teacher and Mm. I definitely want to be like them because they were really nice and they made me really want to learn it's like actually there's different contexts for different things and sometimes you're not there to be liked but actually being that way instills something within someone and then they actually inherently like you or are grateful for you because Mm you've been that way so I think it's it's another great journey to kind of work out what elements of of um you know you're constantly changing or being a chameleon like that's another thing I Mm. like is putting on different hats but still having that common thread like you said running through yeah and I think that you know often when people don't like what you're putting down like they don't have to pick Mm. it up obviously but they don't like it it's often something within them that's being stirred or touched yeah I was listening to a podcast I can't remember what the topic was at the moment but the guy that was speaking I had a love-hate relationship with this man because he was speaking the harsh truth about some things that were hitting me and I was like I need to face up to this stop (laughs) telling me if if he could hear me I was telling him off and he knew a lot of people must have been saying this to him because he said something along the lines of I know you hate me right now but this is the truth and and it was hitting home but by the end of it I was so grateful I loved it I was like this love-hate relationship at the start and I was like no I'm gonna listen let's see what else he has to say so I think our role as teachers as you said isn't just about as you say being liked it's about growth it is giving students what they want but also what they need. Mm. And sometimes what they need is uncomfortable as heck. Yes. You know, it's not comfortable going through the steps that it takes to get to what you need. If you're saying this is what you want, this is what you need to go down. If you're saying you want something really different, then you need to do something different. And different isn't always comfortable. Very often it's not. So I'm on that with you that it's okay if you don't like me. Mm. I'm not here to be liked, but it's nice that we can have a great rapport and we can, you know, move forward harmoniously because mm. great. That that's also wonderful. Yes. Um, but I I love that. I'm so excited. So what sound do you love, Lucinda? What sound do you sound, love? This is gonna be quite spontaneous. Um many sounds. I think I mean <laughs> I always used to this is a little bit dark, but you know that sound that you might want sort of I remember saying many times to friends, that's the sound I'd want piped into my coffin. Because <laughs> the sound I want to hear forevermore. It's like harmonies, it's vocal harmonies. Mm. Such a harmony fiend. Like, yes. I absolutely, lo- like the human voice and even not, 
not like perfect, whatever they are, sounds, but just, I guess, just when you hear someone's voice that comes from deeper than just at a constructed sound it like Mm. feels like it comes from within someone and um when those voices are joined together and yeah kind of uh, that just stirs something like there's no other sound like it no there isn't and it's and and the the it becomes palpable the energy when harmonies are you know really together and blended and tight I know you know what I'm talking about Mm. as you're nodding there's something really beautiful and special Yes. Can I be spontaneous as well? <gasps> yes. And ask us to just sound together for a minute. Yeah. And you can harmonize if you want. I'm just going to, whatever comes out, comes out. Mm. doesn't really matter. So I'm just going to come off the mic a bit so that I, here we go. Sing was like, get the harmony right, get the harmony right, and then I was like, no, forget the harmony, forget the harmony, make just, a sound, just make a sound. Love it. Oh, that so was beautiful. Good. That was so Thank wonderful. Thank you for being up for that. Oh, obviously, I love it. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I have to say, I am so excited that you've joined me. You know, I can't. I'm so excited. So to connect with and learn more about Lucinda's work, just head on over to her website, which is voiceunlocked.com. And you can also find her on Instagram at voiceunlocked. I'll be putting all the links, as I always do, below this episode. Do check her out. So thank you for joining me today. I'm so appreciative, filled with gratitude. Thank you for your wealth of knowledge around your work um, and, you know, really helping others to express themselves through their using their voice. It's such a beautiful thing to be doing. And so my final question for you today is what is your soulful sound to the world? A self prayer or desire that you wish upon the world? Okay. Um, my prayer for the world is to, well, I hope one day that I will, or anyone will not feel the need to make their voice a certain way um for it to be how it is and for it to be elastic and beautiful in every form Mm. um unjudged um and um organic and connected connected to whatever it needs to be connected to in that moment and ever-changing stunning thank you so much (laughs) lucinda My heart is full. Thank you for sharing your presence with me today. So much love to you. And I can't wait to see what's next and all the projects that you have coming up. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.